Hello and welcome to the IGN UK podcast. This is podcast number 175. My name is Tom Butler. I'll be your temporary host for this week. Uh, joining me on the sofas of podcasting joy are Mr. Luke Kamali. Hello. Keza McDonald. All right. And Stuart Reed. Yes, great to be here, Tom. Thanks, <laughs> thanks, <laughs> thanks for inviting me. No problem at all. Uh, yeah, well, thanks for joining us. I'm a little bit tired today because it was the IGM pub quiz last night. Keza and Luke, you came down. Did you have fun? It was really good. Yeah, really good. Always good. Did you win anything? No. I don't think we're allowed, Tom. I'm pretty sure it'd be against the rules. Competition for laws and all that. Uh, yeah, so if you've never been to an IGM pub quiz before... Because you're one of those stupid people that lives outside of London. Oh, yeah. God. Idiots. Um, then, uh, yeah. We, we all had, had to move here. Uh, we basically had 100 people down from the industry and community taking part uh, in the quiz. Um, and the team that won, uh, won a load of goodies from games. So that was very nice. So we had a really good time. Thanks to everyone who came down. Thanks to everyone who sponsored rounds. Are we going to do it again, Tom? Uh, yes, we will be doing it again, uh, probably in April, May. What I'd really like to do is take it on the road, but... That's a great idea. Mm, that would know, be so cool. Take the IGN experience outside of London, because we do yeah. only ever do stuff here, and we're really sorry if you don't live here. Could we do a magical mystery tour oh, where everybody goodness. gets on a coach, and we hold the quiz on a coach, and then we end up somewhere like Margate? We can <laughs> if we don't call it a coach, but we call it a sharabang. Definitely, definitely yeah. if we call it a sharabang, yeah. Um, it's good shit. Uh, what is a sharabang? It's a coach. Is that what it is? Yeah. <laughs> That's all it is. That's all it is. Excellent. Um, yeah, so, yeah, thanks for everyone coming. Thanks for 2K for lending a load of stuff um, as prizes. Not lending. Just lending. Just getting no, yeah, there. You've back. won, yeah. but you've got to give it back now. Including um, boxes and boxes of XCOM art books that they just can't get rid of. Which, uh, don't tell anyone, but I left a box of them in the if anyone wants one, Walkabout Temple. We'll go to walk about about temple. temple. Yeah, has them. Yeah, thanks to Walkabout as well. But yeah, thanks to everyone who came down and hung out with us. You're all awesome. Did um, we make how much did we make for special effect? About 500 quid. Good, which very is good. good. Yeah. Um. So they're a very good cause. That's the charity we do it for. Um. But yeah, that that was uh, that was about as exciting as it got last night. Keza, what have you been up to? I've been reviewing Tomb Raider. Tomb Raider. Never Tomb Raider. Heard of that. that existed. That that happened earlier this week. I loved it. I loved it so much. But it's not out till first week Tuesday. of March. Oh, is it next, next week? week? That's right. Yeah. Okay. Tuesday. Yep. Is that the normal release day for games? Oh, um, in the UK it's usually Friday, but they're doing a worldwide simultaneous release date of Tuesday for this one. They did it for Aliens, Colonial Marines as well, I think. That went well. What's the thinking behind that? What's <laughs> the thinking behind releasing on a Tuesday? I think that they only release on a Friday because, like, game shops basically say they have to. It's something to do with the supply chains or something really, really boring like that. So the, releasing on a Tuesday is just better for everyone, really, because it's so annoying when you have this ridiculous situation, especially now you've got things like Steam and PSN, and you just can't download your game until Friday, where yeah. everyone that you've been playing with in the, in the States, they've all got their games. That's really irritating, and I wish it would stop happening. Because music you uh, comes out on Mondays, right? Yeah. So mm -hmm. then it has yeah. a long run till the charts at the weekend, yeah. so that makes sense. But when we don't really have a unified chart system for games, it doesn't. I suppose it doesn't really matter periods. when it comes out. No. So yeah, Tuesday's fine. But then right? I suppose they, whichever chart system you use, if they if they've got those extra kind of four days to say, look how many million more copies we sold. Yeah, that's true. That's why they do it. Yeah. But obviously, the most exciting thing about Tomb Raider isn't the day it was released on. So. <laughs> yeah, interesting. Uh, so, uh, is the game any good, Keza? Oh, yeah, yeah, I really love it. It's kind of a combination of Batman: Arkham City, Uncharted, and Tomb Raider. Which is an awesome combination, but not without seeming generic. Not generic at all, because it takes completely different elements of all of those things. Like it's got the kind of high energy action bits and set pieces of Uncharted, but it's not linear at all. It's more of an adventure game. There's a lot of you know you unlock new bits of the levels, you get new equipment that lets you explore further. You can backtrack. The whole place feels more kind of organic. There's cool puzzles. Lara is amazing. How does how does the uh, the world map work? You're, like it's basically an island. It's, so is it like Far Cry? Yeah, a bit. You wander around it. You can fast travel from camps. So yeah, it's a, it is a bit like Far Cry. You, you, the, the story pushes you through all the different areas of the island in, in a kind of sequence, but you can always go back and come around. And once you finish the game, you can go back and just enjoy the world, which is really cool, and, and find stuff. And she's, Lara's really geeky about archaeology. And so she, you know, she, she really geeks out over the relics and over these secret tombs and stuff that's in there. It's really, really cool. I was I was very pleasantly surprised by it because I was worried, like everybody else, I was worried it was going to be a bit too Uncharted-y yeah. and lose that kind of Tomb Raider sense of exploration in favour of action. But instead, it's got the Tomb Raider sense of exploration and the action. So yeah, very cool. Highly recommended by me. 
Excellent. And it's in your uh, your quote on the TV advert now. How much have you paid for that? <laughs> uh, three pounds. I'm quite cheap. So you cut the, the video review. Mm. So you've seen quite a lot of it now as well. Are you excited about playing it yourself? I really cannot wait to play it. It looks it's, it looks like so much fun. It really does. The bits I've seen of it. And I've seen a fair bit of it because Keza did capture a lot of the gameplay for the for the video that we cut together. Uh, Which is great, by the way. Watch the video review. Thank you. I, I enjoyed I enjoyed making that video review because the, 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 the assets, the things we used, the video that, that Keza recorded was so interesting because it, the, the game itself is just visually so exciting it just looks amazing there's some lovely little bits the bit where she gets caught in the in the trap and she's upside down and you're, you're having to shoot the guys while you're upside down hanging mm. from from one leg in a rope it, all these little kind of things um and i think for a visual uh, for, for a video game as well it's, it's really quite there's parts of it that are really moving really yeah. quite quite sad quite traumatic and distressing which is uh you know Something you don't really get a lot of in video games, but you, she really does come across as being a character that you grow with, you know. So yeah, I'm, I'm really I can't wait for Tuesday. I'm definitely getting that day one, and I never say that about a video game. So in the interest of fair balance, what's not so good about the game? I've heard that the other characters that aren't Lara are a bit too. Yeah, they're a bit boring. I mean, the the only, the only thing I would say that's a real weakness is that. It's a survivor story, right? And it's a it's a story about Lara going from being, you know, basically a university student. She just graduated from KCL, interestingly. Um, and she's out on her first expedition. And she's kind of pushed... Everyone's seen this. Like, Crystal Dynamics have, have shown this. But you, you get pushed into her first kill, you know? And it's a really moving, uh, ex- excellent moment. I mean, it really make, gives you pause. It's um, I, I was so kind of agitated when it was happening that I actually dropped the controller and oh failed God. the QT and she got strangled to death, which was traumatising. But... Uh, after this first kill, it transitions really, really quickly into like, let's shoot six guys in the head. That's yeah. fine. And, you know, it doesn't, I mean, it does kind of try to deal with it and then it just stops immediately. And it's like, okay, we've done that now. Mm. Now we're an action game. And that happens a bit too quickly. But to be honest, you get past it because everything else about the game is so good. And I found that in Far Cry, though. Like, when yeah. he first kills someone in Far Cry, he's like, oh my God, what have I done? And occasionally through the game, he's like, oh, what have I done? And by the end of the game, he's probably killed about 500 people. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's kind of so, the same. I'm so stuck on Far Cry at the moment. I'm not stuck. I'm just, I, I, I've become really impatient with it. I'm at the bit, and I, I, I don't think this is much of a spoiler, where you have to get on board a helicopter. Oh, yeah. And that, you're in a camp. That's a and really annoying and it's bit. fucking hard because... Oh, you've got the other guy and you've got to protect him. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and it's 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 a tough bit of the game because you... Obviously, you know, with Far Cry, there's like, you can either go the stealth route or you can go the balls out, shoot the fuck out of everything in sight route. And I'm really, I'm trying so hard to try both routes <laughs> and, and neither of them are working for me. <laughs> I'm just getting the shit kicked what out of me are you endlessly. Then? Well... Uh, I've got a shotgun and a sniper rifle because they're my two favourites. But that's the other thing that's annoying me about the game as well is is having to do all the all the dicking about so you can carry more gear yeah. and that f- I, that's really fucked me off actually. But I thought that, I thought that was a nice a nice way to level level you up. I thought mm. you need to get you need you to get three weapons loaded up at least so you can have like a shotgun, a grenade launcher, and a sniper rifle. I think mm. that's the perfect. My th- for my me. three my three were bow, flamethrower, and silent sniper rifle flamethrower you psycho flamethrower is really good it's because I'm, I'm sneaky so I do bow and sniper rifle but then when it all goes to shit flamethrower <laughs> <laughs> that says a lot about Keza but talking about death and destruction that, that's the other thing about, about Tomb Raider as well is is when Lara carks it it's it's fucking horrible yeah. it's really quite brutal nasty death it's back. super nasty oh, really? and the thing is it's so different from when you you know because it was always quite disturbing even when she was drowning and she was about nine polygons it was a bit disturbing it was kind of horrible she went all limp it but was now horrible, yeah. like you see her like if you if you're if you get her killed you feel so bad like it's nasty like you should get there's a bit where um, it's shown on Conan O'Brien's clueless gamer clip that he did, which was really funny, by the way. It's Conan O'Brien doing playing a game, even though he can't play games and has no idea about games. Is he aware of that? Yeah. So he's playing up to it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Right, cool. Okay. And uh, and he uh, and he um, he skids down this waterfall, and then there's a bit if you, if you if you fail this waterfall section, she gets skewered through the neck. Oh my god! On like a kind of spiky. Th- it's horrible. She's like, oh, it's really really nasty. She's like clutching at her. Oh, it's horrible. 
And there's lots and lots of deaths like that where you just, if, if you fail, you feel like you've genuinely failed her. Oh, <laughs> it's really God. bad. I find that the deaths in Walking Dead are quite affecting like that oh, as well. Yeah, when right. if, if you die, like, like they don't, the zombies don't just kill you. They rip your guts out and eat them in front of you. Yeah, like, it's, it's, all, it's pretty, pretty grim. <laughs> but it's, it's a good way of, of using violence to actually be emotionally impactful, which I think video games, they, they often... Um, not so much misuses, just don't quite take advantage of violence. Yeah, because violence can be really moving. Like like in the Sopranos, it's it's often moving. Yeah, and I think that Tomb Raider does a good job of using violence to be moving sometimes when you're not skewering dudes to the neck. But Talking yeah. about using violence to be moving, it's Saint David's Day today. It is. That's a good. That's a good segue. <laughs> wow, that is beautiful. You've been working on that. <laughs> and Welsh, be, uh, Luke being a Welsh person, yeah. uh, you're celebrating by. Eating leeks. Eating leeks. Yeah. I'm saying tidy. Try to find some Welsh cakes in Soho, but they don't have any. Really? It's a Welsh it cake. It's a Welsh cake. Oh, Welsh cake's lovely. The Welsh cakes are like kind of... You're Welsh as well, aren't you, Stuart? Mm, not the last time I looked, no. <laughs> <laughs> Is your wife Welsh? Um, no. <laughs> Where am I getting this from? Any, I don't know. <laughs> any affiliation? Uh, you know, Welsh cakes are like little kind of flatbreads, like with like sultanas in with sugar on top. Oh, that sounds nice. Yeah. Mm, very yeah, nice. You have them with butter, don't you? Yeah, or just on their own. Whatever they, you want, fucking mix good, it up. Are they as good as Scottish potato scones? Better. How, um, so how do you fight. celebrate St David's Day? How am I going to celebrate it? Yeah. When I was a kid, we had like dress up in traditional Welsh dress and stuff. <laughs> and uh, there's photos of that flying around, which isn't good. Um, I what, don't know. What is traditional Welsh dress? Oh, do you have one of them conical hats? Yeah, one of those hats. Yeah. And then um, there's like, well, the, the ladies have shawls. And it's kind of like a weird... Like patterny thing. This must be how Americans feel. What do you mean weird I... patterny thing? What are you talking? What do you mean? There's like it's like a there's like a particular pattern. Was it like that picture I sent around earlier? Like that, basically, yeah, printed on. I've tweeted that by the way, so you can look at Tom. I, I didn't make that. Job. I didn't make. That. I just I, I just searched for Welsh stereotypes and Fantastic. found the picture. Well, that's a and there was a picture of Luke. <laughs> There's a picture of me. Yeah, In brilliant. fact, today we should just call you Leek. You should. All day. Leek, yeah. <laughs> We've missed a trick on that Who one. It's already quite late like... in the day. Who's your fam- favourite famous Welsh person? Easy. Tom Jones? Yeah. yeah. Really? Yeah. I don't know. What about Luke? Oh, Richard a Burton's a good one, though. Ah, good. He Richard good Burton. One. Yeah. Isn't Timothy Dalton Welsh? I couldn't answer that. Okay. There's quite a lot of people who you don't suspect of being Welsh. Go on then. I can't think of anyone. Right really, and you can't. You can't just say stuff. something no, like that. Without without qualifying. The other day. Eh? Someone the other day I found out about. I want to say Andrew Lincoln possibly has a little bit ah. Welsh, but I'm not sure. I might make that up. Well, that's it for this week's Welsh news. So yeah. uh, let's move on to the actual news and the, <laughs> the less exciting first news. Bit. Don't forget to let us know if you're Welsh. Yeah, <laughs> do it. <laughs> Happy St. David Day to you. IGN UK feedback. Let us know your favourite Welsh video games. Uh, yeah, it's IGN UK feedback <laughs> at IGN.com. That's drippy. Drippy from Nino Cooney. Drippy from Nino Cooney. He's good. Okay. That's what um, we've got. Good, so uh, Star Wars 1313 may be on hold. Gasp. So that was the uh, new Star Wars game that was announced at E3 last year. It looked awesome, um, but uh, Kotaku's reporting that it may be on hold. Um, uh, it's pre- previously been stated that LucasArts had said that um, the Disney buyout uh, would not affect the development of the game, hmm. um, but that may not now be true. Yeah, it sounds it like, like it has. It's gone, uh, it's on hold, but... Um, it's, it's kind of a vague report at the moment, but um, apparently the focus is on the new trilogy uh, and obviously anything that's unrelated to the J.J. Abrams Star Wars 7 is is being put on hold. But um, you can kind of imagine that meeting though, can't you, with the... Yeah, definitely. With the Disney execs. Yeah, we've got this game that we're working on. All right, okay. So um, just before you start, you do realise we've got new films coming out. Can we put your game into our new films yeah or the other way around yeah. you make your game about our new films yeah in six months yeah, yeah. Can yeah. you just change all the character names so let me see yeah this Star Wars 1313 it's not actually featuring any of the characters in the new films that we're creating and it's coming out around the same time so yeah I'm not I'm not I'm not across this <laughs> <laughs> that's exactly how that, that's, that that's a transcript we've that just is. been there yeah in the room. Which is a shame because it was looking like it might be a next-gen launch title. Um, I mean, it probably just means it's going to get pushed back, maybe. I mean, Star Wars the 7 is due to come out in summer 2015. Yeah, that's a while though, isn't it? Maybe Namco can just buy it and it'll come out as Star Trek 1313. <laughs> With PS2 graphics. <coughs> oh! I didn't say that. <laughs> just beat that out. It is a shame though, isn't it? Because, you, you know, the Star Wars universe... I think we've established it's fairly big. Yeah, completely. We, uh, we can we can have 
a couple of things going on at once. Our tiny human minds can handle it. I think what better way to get people psyched for the new movies than releasing a fucking good Star Wars game? Yeah. Like, you know, of the two that currently exist. So, you know, Which are? Um, Knights of the Old Republic, I would say. TIE Fighter. Oh, that was that? great. Oh, Rogue Squadron. Rogue Squadron, Rogue Squadron yeah. Also, Battlefront. Battlefront. Yeah. yeah. Okay, there's quite a few, actually. Um, yeah, there's quite a few. Also, I don't mind Jedi, um, Jedi Knight 2. Star Wars on NES. Like that was actually NES. all right, wasn't it? Yeah. You still love the music. What about the Star Wars game we were playing for our top 100 Oh, yeah, the uh, arcade machine. Oh, the yeah. original arcade Star Wars. That's you know, we awesome. saw one of those when we were in San Francisco. Did, Did you? you? Yeah. Where? Yeah, it was at this, um, like, uh, an arcade um, um, uh, devoted to arcade machines. And oh, I thought you were going to say it was in, like, an old pizza parlor or something. That <laughs> would have been cool. No. Um, but, yeah, so that's Star Wars 1313, which is a massive shame, but... At the moment, it looks like we may have to wait for more news on that because. Mm. But they have gone quiet on it as of late. Mm. We haven't seen any. Well, we've supposedly seen gameplay, haven't we? Yeah, but yes. um, who's got the next piece of news? I do. Um, so news that many people were not particularly happy by. Um, shockingly, um, Electronic Arts have said that they are going to build microtransactions into all their future games. Of course, they are. That's according to the company's um, chief financial officer, who was talking at a the Morgan Stanley Technology Media and Telecom Conference. Um, and he said, we're building into all of our games the ability to pay for things along the way to get to a higher level. And then this is the controversial bit. He said, and consumers are enjoying and embracing that way of business. Yeah, could, I'd like to take him up on that, if I may. Yes. I don't think they are. Mm. I don't know about you guys, but I've paid for a game. I don't want to keep fucking paying for it. Yeah. I've paid for it. I've given you 40 quid, 50 quid, 60 quid. Stop Stop squeezing me for more for more money. See now that's my feeling on it personally. I completely agree. I I don't use microtransactions um at all. But if they're putting them in there and they're clearly pissing people off, well, they're clearly getting a vocal group of people um annoyed about it. The fact they keep putting them in there suggests that in actual fact people are using them and they are making money. Well, I mean, free to play is the most successful thing going on in games right now, has been for years. But that's different from free to play, isn't it? When a game's actually free to play and you you pay maybe five or a ten, or if you pay forty pound mm. and then more, yeah, you know that's what? different. This thing, if the, if game costs drop to twenty quid, I'm like, yeah, okay, fine, stick microtransactions in. I'm still not going to use them, but go for it. It's bad enough when you go to the movies and you have to pay an extra pound for a pair of three D glasses, yeah. even though you've got seventy three pairs at home <laughs> and they're all the fucking same. But just take them with you. That's what I always do. Mm, good, good plan. I've got a nice pair but, of Harry Potter 3D glasses that I take with me. But imagine oh. that. Imagine that. If you if you went to the cinema uh, and the film started and 10 minutes into the film, they kind of, they they shut half the screen down and said, well, you can still watch it, but if you want the real experience, you'll have yeah. to pay another fiver and then we'll open up the other side of the screen again. I mean, this is the thing. There's huge ranges of it, aren't there? You know, there's like cosmetic items that don't really matter and, you know, fine, stick them in and if anyone wants to buy them, go mental. But then there's ones like in Dead Space 3 where it is, you know, you can speed up crafting, get a bit stronger, a bit quicker... And you're essentially playing to cut out gameplay then. I'd be, I'd be happy to pay £20 for a game that, that yeah. relied a bit more on yeah. microtransactions because then you're then it's the decision's in your hand. Or almost if you pay £20 and then you put £20 into a part and you're allowed to spend that how you wanted within yeah. the game. I, I don't but think it, they're it, inherently evil. No, it's, it's just, just they need to be delicately handled. Just, yeah. It just strikes me as a form of cheating. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, that, that may be contentious, but... It, it doesn't really offer a level playing field, does it? No. Look, look, look at something... Sorry, go on. Well, just the current model in terms of, you know, you have the, you buy the game, then you've got microtransactions, then you've got regular DLC and stuff, and it's like, you know, just think back in the day when you used to spend an extra, what, 15 quid on a sizable expansion pack that had all these extra things in it rather than just kind of constantly being asked to spend a little bit every month. If yeah. you look at games like Dota 2, though, Dota 2 does it right, right? I have friends who spent upwards of, like, 300 hours on... Hours? 300 hours? 300 hours. On, on Dota hours. 2. And that's a game that is currently free. You play it for free. What you pay for, you pay to have a cool announcer rather than the boring announcer that you get. You pay to have the dude from Bastion announcing your game or whatever. You pay for your characters to look cool. And all the stuff that you buy for your characters to wear is made by people who play the game, and they actually get a lot of the money from that. So you can actually make a kind of decent living making items for Dota 2. So it's his own ecosystem, uh, in, a, yeah. in a sense. And that, that's, that's cool because it's creative. It gives people a chance to make money off the game who aren't Valve, mm. which is also cool. And you, what you're paying for 
is things that make your game experience more enjoyable, but they don't change the game. Like mm. you're paying for having a badger as your courier instead of a little man or a robot, and, and you're paying for uh, this is this just sounds like nonsense. <laughs> this is why my mother doesn't understand what I do. <laughs> but yeah, you're paying for stuff that makes makes the game more enjoyable for you. You're not paying for things that change it. I think there's also a problem like there's a story on Eurogamer about uh, a kid who'd spent seventeen hundred yes. pounds yeah. his parents' yeah. money doing an game. iPhone game. But I think that's almost down to uh, people. Parents should know better. That is it's hard though. With. But you know, yeah, I guess so. But you shouldn't give your kids your iTunes password, right? Right. So, I mean, it, it's it, like it's like putting sweets at the counter at, in, a, in a supermarket. It's difficult though, isn't it? I mean, why why are these games made to look so appealing to kids? Mm. And then if a kid gets hold of the game and starts playing, he's racking up a seventeen hundred quid bill on his on his parents' phone bill. Yeah, that is exploitative. But That's are, the word, Kez, isn't it? Yeah. There are companies that do do free-to-play and microtransactions really exploitatively. Like, the, the, there was a bit of a furore over the My Little Pony game. Oh, God, I remember that, yeah. The, the, the sexy My Little Ponies, obviously supposed to be aimed at little children, but played mostly by people who post on 4chan, who got really angry about the microtransactions. And so this poor developer was expecting like little girls to be playing this game, and instead they got a bunch of angry nerds. <laughs> angry furries. <laughs> getting really angry about Bronies. the microtransactions, yeah. Um, funnily enough, this leads into our next news story, which is about Cliffy B. Cliffy B has been venting. Have you read these, these posts that he's been posting? He makes some I good read points. This this morning, he makes some great, po- up, yeah. he makes some great points. But um, I'll just give you some some of the highlights. So Cliffy B obviously uh, used to work at Epic Games. He left Epic Games uh, to well, I don't know what he's doing now. He's just, well, he's just taking just time to around, do what he wants, he? right? Yeah. So he created Gears of War amongst other things. But um, he took to his personal blog um, and he was taking uh, issue with the same very very same things we were just talking about. But he was saying, um, basically, you vote with your dollars. So it's ultimately, it's down to you how the industry works. He says the video game industry is just that. It's an industry, which means it exists in a capitalistic world. These companies are put, that put product... Sorry, these... I'll start again. The companies that put these products out, they're for profit businesses. First for money and then for a claim. Um, and then he goes on to say the average video game is, is a lot cheaper than it ever has been. But obviously, they're getting more expensive. Um and he's tired of EA being seen as the bad guys. If you, he says, if you don't like EA, don't buy their games. If you're raging about it on Gaff or IGN or GameSpot, guess what? You're the vocal minority because the average guy, he'll go out and spend as much as he wants on, on these sorts of things. So it's not really up to us. And then he goes to say, you got to, you got to remember that the good old days before microtransactions, there's no such thing because the arcade machines were basically the same thing. They were there to eat, to eat your change. You were paying to play the game. Um, so he makes a lot of good points. Um, I think anyway. if the, the main point there is if you don't like it, don't participate. Yeah. yeah. I mean, because he says, like, you know, he says in that thing, I've seen the figures and, like, you know, you are the vocal minority because people are doing it. Which is fair enough. I mean, you know, I suppose it's just as objective in principle, isn't it? But, you know, there's no reason that we need to necessarily... I mean, I don't use microtransactions. Well, no. that's the thing, though, Luke, you're voting with your feet, aren't you? I've yeah. used it before. I don't mind them as a principle. But uh, I guess the thing is that it's very easy to get lost in, in what people in comments threads say maybe loads of people love microtransactions and they just don't happen to be on gaff well i think that's that's exactly the point yeah. i think the vast majority of people out there who are on iphone games like yeah. things like that that's probably where the vast majority of the microtransactions are happening and obviously it's the biggest growing sector of the games industry it works there and it's, it's bleeding through into the what we consider the games industry through people like ea and everyone's up in arms. It's, it's just different ways of doing things, isn't it? Like, you know, Guild Wars 2 is one of the most successful kind of, well, free-to-play games, essentially. Well, you know, you buy the disc and then get shitloads of content. Um, but they've got, you know, all of these games, you know, it has a gem store that's microtransaction fueled, but it's all cosmetic stuff. And I, that's not what I have an issue with. Cosmetic stuff is fine, but like you said, Stu, like, it feels as though you're cheating a little bit if people can pay real money to get ahead of the game. And I just don't understand why you'd want to do that, why you'd, like... You develop a, you know, a crafting system in a game and then you say to people, oh, but if you pay money, you can sidestep all that. It's mm. like, why are you doing that? You're kind of undercutting your own work. It just feels like a loss of integrity from a developer standpoint as much as anything for me. Mm. But then I, I think if you, there's, you can't really compare it to movies and entertainment or other sectors. But you've got to consider that, like, there is a huge range of options out there. Mm. Like, if you're into cinema, you don't have to go and see all the big blockbusters because there's a hell of a lot of independent cinema, short films and that sort of thing that you can choose to go and watch. So if you don't like what EA is doing, go and play Journey instead. Yeah, Yeah, I understand that. But bringing that that cinema thing back in again, Tom, 
that's like you know everybody everybody pays a ten pounds to go and see the same movie at the same cinema, but if you continue paying a pound every half an hour, you'll get a better experience. Is that but fair? You, you can pay extra to sit in the comfier seat, right? Yeah. Um, so but it's the same film. This I'm talking about is right. away. Yeah, I yeah. guess so. <laughs> drop anyway, it. Drop it. Anyway, <laughs> let's move on to what Hideo Kojima told Daniel Kruper. Yes, Hideo Kojima sat down with Daniel Kruper. Can we do this in English? Him, that he loved him. <laughs> yeah, don't don't sit. Don't speak it in Japanese. Oh yeah, no. Basically, um, Kojima sat down with Daniel for an interview. He said some very interesting things. Um, uh, amongst them, um, you can see the full interview on the site. But one of the most interesting things was he said that more Metal Gear spin-offs, uh, like Rising Revengeance, um, are a definite possibility. Um, so he said that initially we thought the spin-off with Metal Gear Rising was an exception. It was a new thing, but it went remarkably well. And working with Platinum, we were able to achieve a sort of synergy where the final product was greater than the sum of its parts. Um, and then Daniel went on to ask him, you know, what would he again work with Platinum? And um, actually they said that they would happily work with a Western studio, just like, um, you know, Capcom gave D- DMC to, um, to Ninja Theory. So he said, yeah, it's just kind of a thing of working where, you know, they have the same idea... You know, it works well together. So that's that's kind of interesting, I guess. Yeah, you like played Metal Gear Rising: Revengeance. Played a bit of it. I wasn't as enamoured with it as everyone else has been. I found the camera a bit tricky, and I died a lot. Like I like dying in games. It's you know, it's like it's good to have a difficulty curve, but it just it felt punishing. It is punishing, but it's rewarding once you once you actually figure yeah. out like blocking and parrying. It does. It's really it's empowering. Fucking Blade Wolf, where the camera's yeah, behind you and it's just hardcore. hitting you in the fucking back, and you can't get around it. Blade Wolf is hardcore. It happens really early on as yeah, well, yeah. which yeah. is which is kind of frustrating. I'll be honest. I put two hours into beating Blade Wolf, and you don't get that's like five minutes of time. So you just do the maths. That's yeah. crazy. I'm yeah. trying to think that's... of other examples of games where you have something really hard to to get across right at the beginning. I was thinking of Bayonetta. Mm. Where there's yeah. the, there's a bit with it where you're running down the little slope and the dragon kind of comes through and and just kicks the shit out of you, the dragon's head. Yeah, <laughs> and that's that's really close to the start of the game. What other games are they like? I that? seem to think Gears. Uh, sorry, Gears of War, God of War Three is quite tricky to start yeah. off with because yeah. you're fighting up that Titan. And I remember starting it on like regular difficulty and having to drop it down to easy because <laughs> it was just punishing. Yeah. Oh my God. Those bits where it flipped and you had to. Well. Catherine. Do you think so? Yeah, yes. it's so hard. Yeah, that's, that so goes hard. hard even on easy. Yeah, you have to, you have to, yeah. yeah I had to put the difficulty down on that. Yeah. Um, also, the, the Souls games. I was going to say, I'm shit at yeah. them and I just like, I end up crying before the yeah, end d- Demons in Dark, it's like, here's your first boss. <laughs> ha! <laughs> yeah. Have yeah. that. Like, and this you is number one. <laughs> yeah, this is number one. Get you used to this. fucking worthless, worthless worm. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's pretty good. So no, I, I like that it's hard, but it's, um, it is a bit upsetting at times. But I think it's awesome. And I would like to see more Metal Gear games because if they take six years for a new one to come out, then I'm all for gotcha. more Metal Gear But would you like games. to see a different spin-off or would you like to see Rising 2? I want to see Rising 2. I want to see um, Platinum do Rising 2. Yeah. That'd be awesome. Yeah. Because it's only a short game and it feels like it was a game that was turned around quite quickly. It is quite short, isn't it? They worked think... on it for ages at Kojima Productions and they realised they couldn't do it right so they just gave it to Platinum, I think. So I guess, the, but, I get, but apparently it was for the swordplay, right? Yeah. That, that yeah. Platinum just do so superbly. That whole Zandatsu, like, mechanism where you put, it slows yeah. down and you just slice, slice the fuck out of them. Slice things into Oh, it's so cool. So cool. But who else could do other Metal Gear games? Who would you like to see, Kaza? Mm. Would you like to see Metal Gear Pokemon? From Software would do a good Metal Gear game. <laughs> From Software would do a good one. I reckon they'd take the universe. That would be pretty good. I'd like to see a Western developer like Naughty Dog do a Metal Gear game. Although wow. Steam would never allow that, ever. But it would be really cool to see what they'd do. Well, he did say it wasn't a case of, of East v. West yeah. in, the, in the interview, didn't he? Yeah. He just said it's whatever developer kind of understands the vision. The vision. Yeah. I think they're a bit too close to the cinematic style that Hajima, Kojima goes for himself, though, maybe. Yeah, um, yeah that, you might be right. What about give it to Rare and do Metal Gear Connect? Yeah. Ouch. <laughs> That's what we oh, Mel rising better with Connect. Oh, you're, you're so contentious today, Butler. You really are. <laughs> Burning all our bridges. Um, okay, so moving on to a game that has just been announced. What is it, Keza? Assassin's Creed 4 Black Flag. Dun, wow. Dun, dun, dun. It's Can Assassin's... we talk about this? Well, well, we're going to talk about that in a minute, Stuart. What? We're going to talk about whether or not we, we can, can talk, talk about, about this. We we're going to talk about it, then we're going to talk about whether we can There's talk been about this it. totally <laughs> farcical situation that's happened where basically Assassin's Creed 4 Black Flag was shown to press. The embargo is still not passed. It's on Monday. So the, the official unveil of the game is on Monday. Well, let's, the let's just dial it back for a second. Talk through the time schedule of what happened and when. 
So we knew that there was an event happening, right? Yeah. yeah. So la- last week we knew there was an event happening about Assassin's Creed. Yeah. So everyone was like, cool, great, new Assassin's Creed. But that, we couldn't tell anyone that there was an event coming up. No. no. And, and we, then, didn't, we weren't 100% sure what it was about either, were no, we? No, we weren't sure what it was about. It we thought been, it could have been, been more anything. DLC or anything. And then, uh, and then they basically leaked Assassin's Creed 4. They they leaked what the premise was, like there was pirates. That was the... Someone on Kotaku, or someone leaked to Kotaku an image a of a poster, and yeah. it was... Basically, pirates. And yeah. It was Assassin's Creed. For, Assassin's yeah, Creed 4. and that was that was after a lot of rumors about it as well. So, like everything, every single thing that has come out about Assassin's Creed Four has proved to be correct. In response to this, Ubisoft just announced it. They were just like, "All right, look, it's out. It's, it's coming out." We've announced. They, all they did was say that it exists, what it's called, and give us some box art. Yeah, and they so did we had that we had the box art to post yeah. ready to post yesterday but it leaked before that <laughs> it leaked so we had to yeah. bring that forward so we were here so basically Ubisoft <laughs> were like okay you can announce it they moved a mini embargo forward and then that leaked yeah so then yeah. we had to do it earlier so well. we're all in this really silly situation now where a lot of us have seen the game and we're not allowed to talk about it even though it's leaking all over the place Don't and everyone knows market. all the details and everyone and knows either... everything about it but we're not allowed to officially say that we know any of it's true and which what leaked today Luke Today, a release date leaked <laughs> by by Ubisoft. By itself. Ubisoft, yeah. Ubisoft put up on their on their website for the game. They uploaded the wrong page, so it said the game is coming Jesus. out on next gen consoles and current gen consoles on October the 29th. And then they took it down. But obviously, you know, you put something on the internet for half a second, and someone's people have got it somewhere. So yeah, that Someone then did, that's now it. doing the rounds. Uh, so bless them. <laughs> it's not gone well. So let's, ridiculous. Well, let's talk Assassin's Creed 4 first before we talk about the ridiculous situation. Before the so, mad embargo. Pirates. Yes. Yeah, I mean, the, let's look at... Yar, me hearties. Look at the box art. We've got a blonde pirate assassin dude. He's got a gun. He's got a sword. He's got a family crest. There's lots of boats in the background, so it's very safe to assume that one of the best bits of Assassin's Creed 3 will be in there, which is the naval battles. Um, he's got four guns. Four guns? Four guns. He's only got two hands. I What's know. he going to do with the other two? He's put so two, many um, guns on his body. Feet. So, yes. <laughs> like Bayonetta. Bayonetta, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, and there's lots of skulls on it. So, and it's called Assassin's Creed 4 Black Flag. So, so here we go. It's, it's, it's obviously about pirates, isn't it? Yeah. Which is cool. But well, it might I mean, be about that post-punk band from the early 80s. Black Flag. Yeah. Black Flag. Could be. Is that Rollins? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's the soundtrack. That would be fucking awesome. <laughs> Day one purchase once again. Ridiculous. So yeah, but but now we're kind of stuck because although we know more about the game, because of this stupid situation, we're not actually allowed to say any of it. But yeah. a lot of people have posted a lot of information. But So what's our official stance on what we can say and what we can't say? We can't say anything else. Other people have said um, uh, that if he... Well, I mean, Ubisoft said new hero, new time period, which we can see. There's been whisperings that it might be Connor's granddaddy. Okay. So Hatham, Hatham's father. Now you say there's whisperings. You know that's true, and you have to. I know whether or not it's true, but I can't officially say that I know whether or not it's true. Isn't this silly? Yeah. Isn't this ridiculous. a ridiculous situation? You might say that I couldn't possibly comment. <laughs> but it sounds like the time period is before Assassin's Creed Three. That would appear to be the case. But it's, so, okay, so Assassin's Creed Three came out in November last year. That's right. Yes. This is coming out in October. Yeah. Uh, well, actually, I checked that Assassin's Creed came out um, on October the thirtieth and the thirty-first. Okay. So. so it sounds like it's being built in the same engine as Assassin's Creed 3. But that, it's being... may, that may or may not be the case. All right, but uh, speculating. So, But this is kind of the point. Why, that... why didn't they call it Assassin's Creed 3 Black Flag? Because or Assassin's Creed Black Flag? I think that of... they were trying to move away from the Assassin's Creed 2, 3 entries model and try and be like, no, we're going to do 4, 5, 6, 7. They said that before. They've said that they I want mean, to. If, you know, it's a different time period, you know, that, that's quite interesting. But the point that, like you just saying to Keza there, that's the big problem that I've been having, right, in news about this. Because obviously, I, I mean, I went to the event with Keza, so I know some things about it that... I can't say I know, but I have to see if it's reasonable for me to infer it had I not been to the event so I could put it in news stories. It's really, really, like, really silly. Oh, my God. You know, so for the stuff about the release date, for example, yeah. like, you know, I can't say whether I know anything about that or not, but, you know, <laughs> it's an annualised franchise. The last one was out in October. So can I reason, would I have reason been, been able to infer that? Do you remember that Donald Rumsfeld not? quote during the, during the uh, last Gulf War? There are there are known unknowns. There are unknown unknowns, and there are unknown knowns, or something yeah, like just, that. It's, it's like, just ridiculous. Well, this, like, this is an unknown known. The Assassin's Creed Four. So the, the so the two <laughs> things are really uh, embargo. So why why is an embargo important, Keza, as a games writer? Well, basically, you enter into a contract with a publisher, yeah. right? And they say 
we're going to show you this game early so you can write about it and tell people about it. But in exchange for you having the information, you have to release it at a certain time that we're happy with. So you sign an NDA, which is a non-disclosure yeah. agreement. And the NDA doesn't tell you what you can say about the game. It doesn't tell you anything about how you're allowed to cover it. It just says, please don't say anything about what you've seen before this date. And you have to sign a thing. So essentially what they're doing is they're putting confidential information into your hands, which could, if leaked, affect stock prices, affect jobs, affect all sorts of things. They're putting the information into your hands in exchange for you agreeing to only talk about it when they're ready for you to talk about it. So it's the kind of, it's the contract that you enter into in order to be able to see a game early. That's what embargo is. And it's good for you because it gives you a chance to formalise your thoughts and your writing and everything so that you can put out a decent piece of editorial in plenty of time so that you're not told and then rushed into doing something, right? And sometimes people show you a thing and there's no embargo. And then because the internet's the internet, you just end up with people rushing to put Mm. up first. And sometimes it's not accurate. Sometimes often it's not well written, so on, so on. So it's kind of like being on a magazine, you know, you've got your lead time, you've got your print time. So you see a thing and then it's a good two weeks before the thing ends up public knowledge, which is exactly what happens on a magazine, essentially. Or a newspaper. It kind of standardises it as well across sites so you can kind of take it, you know, you know, we're not kind of rushing to get it out there first and stuff, which is good. The downside of embargoes is they're often seen as control of information, which they are. They are control of information. But the thing is, it's information that is privileged information. Yeah. So if you want to um, write free of embargoes, then you have to have access to no privileged information, which means no games early, uh, no seeing games pre-release. You wouldn't be able to get review copies before the game was out and so on. But so uh, obviously uh, publishers give embargoes for game um, reviews and sometimes they're early and sometimes they're not. So they, there's quite a tactical way of dealing with embargoes. That's right. That's, that's arisen, right? Yeah, because like if you're, uh, you know, Sega, you, when you've got Colonial Marines, you can say you can have a review copy, but you're not allowed to post your review until release day. By so, which point, some people won't have cancelled their pre-orders, you know? Yeah. Whereas if you're confident in the game, like Ubisoft was with Far Cry 3, you send it out there weeks and weeks in advance, you tell everybody, go. And then people can post it weeks in advance, and then they think they might get more pre-orders. So it's all, it's all very, uh, you know, controlled. And that the, way. the problem is, is that it's people say that the embargo is important for the publishers. It is, but they're just as bad as gaming the the situation as as the journalists are. Right? In fact, they're worse. They yeah, they play the, pub- the game the worse are than the we ones do. But they're the here. ones that will be the first to cry out about when embargoes are broken. Right? Yeah, but then they'll leak shit all yeah. the time. They'll just leak things and undercut you. Like I mean, for Assassin's Creed Three, I swear all the leaks for Assassin's Creed Three were intentional. That would be my assumption like you know when they leaked the art for that and it was like oh was it set is it set in america yeah look at this art we didn't leak it i'm pretty sure how are you gonna get i mean sure if it's a photo of like a poster fair enough that could have leaked how is someone gonna get a hold of a piece of concept art yeah and then leak sync that one piece of concept art that's not gonna happen is it it's obviously a controlled leak so is hang on though isn't that a bit like saying that when a when a, an album gets leaked on the internet, that's a controlled leak as well. Because I think it, it would that be the case? Because I don't I don't think many people want that. I think that's a bit different though. If it was because it's the finished say, product. Say it was the album sleeve. Yeah. And they only managed to leak the album sleeve. Like what person who managed to hack into a network would manage to get just one image of an album sure, sleeve? Sure. Do you know what I mean? Mm. Or it seems unlikely. To yeah, me. I think in terms of music leaking. That's a completely different story because you're right; it's a finished product. That would be like the game leaking early, yeah. Yeah. which which has happened. Like the code for games has leaked onto yeah. the internet, mm-hmm. like famously with Half Life Two and various other things. And gear, like Halo, gears, like yeah, yeah. Gears Halo. and Microsoft has like banned accounts, yeah, like life ba- perma bans. Um, I probably probably uh, sued them for enormous amounts of money as well. Yeah. I assume. So we're thinking that these that these leaks are actually kind of part of the PR process from these not the Assassin's Creed one I don't think maybe no. not Assassin's because Creed the, 4 because that poster was the first thing wasn't yeah it? maybe and not Assassin's seems... Creed 4 leaks but a lot a lot of them are mm. I and mean, this is the thing about embargoes is that you know leaks are usually controlled I think the Sony the Sony uh, PlayStation DualShock 4 controllers that could have been an intentional leak I don't know whether it was but I mean it looked like an unintentional leak because it was basically phone photos of the thing yeah that could have been intentional as well. Oh, they're clever, aren't they? Yeah. Mm. So is there a solution? How do, how do they create a level playing field? Or is that it now? Is the cat out of the bag and basically someone's going to have to figure out a way of sorting this out? I think it's absurd that we can't talk about it. I think they should have gone, look, it's leaked. You're free to go. Just bring the embargo forward. You can talk about it. That's what you. That, that's the that's the way to you know that you should respond to a leak, I think, is that you, you tell yeah. people that, yeah, fine, go on, go, go live, we're fine. Doesn't that set a precedent, though? 
Possibly. I mean, they have said that more stuff is coming on Monday, haven't they? So. Well, that said, yeah, well, you can tune into the IGN live. Presenter and that, that, that would have screwed us. You know, if they had brought the embargo forward, we wouldn't have a live stream to show, really. Yeah. 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 And there's a new trailer. There's the first trailer debuting uh, and a load of other stuff. So, yeah. There's lots of moving parts. That. So, like, you know. <laughs> but is, is it too soon for Assassin's Creed 4, do we think? Well, it's an annualised franchise now, isn't it? It's yeah. gone it's gone full cod, so I don't quite know whether that's... <laughs> gone full it's cod. Gone full cod, so I don't quite know whether that's... I, I, I think it's too soon. And I think that it's, if it's going to straddle the generations, that's not great. I'd want, want the next Assassin's Creed game to be a next-gen game, first and foremost, whereas it seems like it's been built on this gen, and they're going to try and put it on the next one without making the most of it. If it was yeah, you around. say that, but there's a huge team at, at Ubisoft True. that works on Assassin's Creed. Yeah, they've got Creed. hundreds of people. But yeah, if it's next gen, I'm ha- if it's like if there's a next gen component to it, very very happy. But um, otherwise, if it's just kind of a port, I'm. When you say next gen component, mm. what what are you actually? Well, like, yeah, what, do you, what do you think it can change apart from it looking better? Just kind of well, looking the better. All, all the integration, like you know, the kind of the social integration stuff and all of that, like because we obviously haven't seen how that's going to be in games. But I'm mm. sure over the next six months, we're going to find out some exciting ways that some games are doing that. They did a great job um, on Assassin's Creed Three on Wii U. Yeah, well, this is the thing. So I just hope that they do that rather, you know, that they do make the effort with it rather than kind of just put out what they've already got. But otherwise, I don't know. Kind of done with Assassin's Creed. I feel. I would like a game that's better than Assassin's Creed Three. You reviewed it. You gave it eight point five. I thought it was very good. It could have been better. Okay. I want a better mm. game. I want a. I want a stunning Assassin's Creed two like Assassin's Creed again. It's interesting what you say about it being, being an annual franchise as well. I think some games lend themselves to being an annual franchise, but other games you want that build up, don't yeah. you? Want that expectation, not knowing that oh well, I'm going to get another one of these the same time next year. And it's it's interesting because COD the main thing is the multiplayer, so you know you can kind of get them doing that. But with single player stories like this, I don't know. I think you want more. You want more lead time, kind of like to build up to it, to finish mm. it off. Because, I mean, when's the DLC for Assassin's Creed 3 going to finish? Is that going to finish, like, <laughs> the month before April. the next one launches, yeah. you know? Like, ridiculous. Well, let's have your feelings on uh, what we were just talking about. Any of it, in fact. Yeah. Or anything, um, anything we weren't talking about. I don't mind. Yeah. Cause... Do you like Marmite? Oh, tell us that. Not that bit. Marmite. Nah. Have we heard that before? We've heard that before. Yeah. No. Um, but yeah, if you want to email us, you can get us on IGNUKfeedback at IGN.com or you can follow us on Twitter at IGNUK and on Facebook at IGNUK. Um, we never read out the tweets or that, do we, though, on the podcast? It's always it's always best to email us. Yeah, it's best to email us. That's the one we, uh, that we print out and bring into the uh, into the recording. Behind the curtain, behind the curtain. <laughs> <laughs> Let's talk about the, the games and films that are out this week. So in terms of games... There is fuck all coming out this week. Absolutely, pretty fuck much. All. We've got Absolutely, fuck next all. week. There's obviously Tomb Raider, but that's it, isn't it? But what uh, what would you recommend picking up if you're going to pick up anything right now? Like I'd oh say God. Metal Gear is, is yeah, still Metal Gear Revengeance or DMC. Solid. Yeah, well, Crisis is 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 looking pretty tidy. Crisis is good. Nino Cooney is good. Yeah, Cooney is good. yeah. Mm. Or um, we've also got a feature live actually today about the top twenty five PSN games. So if you don't want to have anything that's going to take you. There's a new number one. There is a new number one. So if you've got, you haven't got a lot of money to spend, but you're looking for something to tide you over to next week, Tomb Raider, have a look at that. Oh, yeah. And if for some inexplicable reason you still haven't played Journey, I finally got around to playing it at the weekend. Mm. And it's, it's as good as everybody says it is. If you just want a couple of hours of, of the most chilled out, beautiful gaming experience you'll ever have. So if you haven't played that yet, do it. I'm so glad you like Journey. Love it. Mm. I need to get on Journey. Get on uh, it, Lee. Go on your journey. And if you, want a, if you want a game for free, iGen's launching its free game of the month. Wow. For March. So it's a free iOS game coming soon. Hopefully by the time you hear this, there'll be an announcement on the site. And that's for, I think it's every country, US, UK, and a load of countries in Europe as well. Probably Australia. So keep an eye on the site. It's a good game. It's a good game. Thank Trust you, Bruce. Me. Good game, good game. <laughs> So, uh, games, fuck all. Um, movies in the <laughs> cinemas this week. Uh, there's Hansel and Gretel, which is Gemma Arterton and uh, Jeremy, Jeremy Renner. Yeah, play, playing brother and sister. I really want to see that. Different accents. Famke Janssen's there as well. Gemma, yeah. Gemma Arterton's 27. Jeremy Renner's 42. <laughs> playing brother and sister. Is he 42? He's 42. Yeah. Right. Right. Um, Interesting yeah. casting. So that's an adult take on the classic Hansel and Gretel tale. Yes. Looks a bit shit to me. Yes, it's meant to be really quite gruesome. Very gory indeed. Brains. Yeah. Why do they insist on doing this? Because, because it can be funny. Because, you know, the Brothers Grimm. I don't know. Grimm. I think I imagine it'd be a big box office flop. So uh, yeah. I think it will be. Uh, bro- How did that Snow White one do? That didn't do. It did oh, all right. I think there's a sequel coming. The Huntsman. Yeah, it did Snow really White well, Huntsman but then did, that yeah. all went tits up when Kristen Stewart started. God, she's boring. <laughs> Boinking the director. Um, 
the other big films out this week, it's not quite so big. It's, it's kind of that funny time of year where post there's Oscars. movies that, yeah, yeah post Oscars mm. where movies are coming out, where actors have been in and it's like, oh, should we put it on video? Nah, just put it in the cinema because Broken City's out. It's got Mark Wahlberg and Russell Crowe in it. Uh, it looks like a generic film. Yeah, I know what you mean. Mark Wahlberg's very good at these generic films. He's having yeah. a bit of a breakdown, judging by all his recent appearances. So. Um, it's also, his forehead is remarkably big. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> I it's, it's I'm fine. I can't help. Scary. I can't take my eyes off it. I watched Ted again at the weekend, and it did not re- bear up to repeat viewing. It doesn't. It doesn't, doesn't I watched doesn't it on a plane. Me. It was just oh no, wait, that was only funny once. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I think maybe I was drunk when I watched it the first time. See, I the first time I watched it was in quite an empty cinema, so there wasn't really a bit of buzz. And it, it even the first time I was a bit like, ooh, this is. Yeah. Se- second, second time through, the only bit that made me really laugh again was where he was naming the types of weed that he'd got offered. They're coming, yeah. they're coming, gorilla yeah. rape. Yeah. And this is permanent. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's quite funny. Um, and Stoker. And Stoker, yeah, which looks amazing. So this is Park, oh, wait, Changwok Park? Yeah, I don't know. Uh, who directed Old Boy. Yep. And it's got oh god, he's, everyone's difficult to pronounce. Mia Wachowski, yeah. not Wachowski, but um, and it looks really, really cool. Mm. Looks, What's the story about? I have no idea. <laughs> no Brilliant. idea. I thought it was about Bram Stoker. But I'm it not about sure. Bram no. no, no, it's about a stepfather. I think isn't it a wicked stepfather? It's a thriller. Yes. Yeah, something to do with that, and they go back to a house or something. something. There's a house and a stepfather. Yeah. <laughs> That's, do you know, probably the best IGN review we've done in a long time. <laughs> this is why I'm not allowed to review things. <laughs> <laughs> I, think, I think we've just put our fingers on it. So um, I'm, I think I might go see that this weekend. Double bill with Mama, because I really, really want to see oh, that That looks well. too scary for oh, me. Oh, man. I, I really Mama wanna... looks terrifying. Yes. But who wants to come see it with me? Oh, I've got no one maybe, to... but I don't know. Come on. I might just go and watch Wreck-It Ralph again. I am, I'm going to go to the movies tomorrow night, but I was thinking of going to see Life of Pi, because I haven't seen that yet. Good. Well, yeah. Cla- is still around? If you it? like Microsoft screensavers, you are in for a treat, my friend. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh is what still around? Uh, Cloud Atlas. Yes. Yeah, Cloud Atlas is out. Yeah, apparently yeah. it's batshit bonkers. But if anyone wants to go to the cinema with me this weekend, tweet me to- at Tom Butler. Where are you going to be? Uh, I don't know. Probably to? Wandsworth, Cineworld Wandsworth. Oh, fuck that. I, I don't go to no Cineworlds, mate. <laughs> <laughs> but let's move straight on to a listener FU. So this is the section of the show where we read out your emails. Hooray! Ooh. First one is from James McGrath. He says, um, I'm a bit let down by the PlayStation 4 debut conference. The system will play used games, but not PS3 games. Shoney showed the controller, but not the console. They left a list of demos that pushed the hardware, but apparently not our imaginations. I saw nothing that struck me as particularly innovative. What are your thoughts, podcast folk? Wow. Eek. Um, I've not been on since I got back from New York, have I? No, I mean, yeah. we talked about it last have week. Have you been when to we had New York? Oh, yeah, I may have mentioned show. Oh, yeah, we sent Kelsey to New York. She's back now. We yeah. sent. I... I love that. Just put her in a box and put her, put her in a post yeah. box. We posted and her, it, it was great. Well, that reminds me of that Velvet Underground track. About the, about the guy who who decides to send himself via... Oh, yeah. Yeah, and his girlfriend opens the box with this really huge pair of scissors and and kills him. <laughs> yeah. Oh, Velvet Underground. I think it's on the Beast. It's on White Light, White Heat. That's that's one of those, like, obscure Velvet Underground. <laughs> Fucking strong. I don't know where that came from. Why? <laughs> I haven't listened to that album in about 20 years. I don't know why I suddenly remembered that. <laughs> Thanks, Brilliant. James. You've just unlocked Stuart's psych- psychosis. <laughs> <Black fire. laughs> Wait, was this a song or did this happen to me? Oh, yeah. Uh, um... So the PlayStation Four, yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. I don't know. I, I, um, I, we don't need to see that. Well, you did this interview with Jim Ryan, didn't you? Who talked about why we didn't see the box? Yeah, I wasn't. I wasn't that bothered about the box. I, I understand why people are, but I wasn't that bothered about not seeing it. Well, we, I would have liked to have seen more games that weren't explosions. But do you know what? It's a console launch. The reality yeah. of the world is it, that we're going to see lots of explosions. Uh, I think well, one chief thing that I've spoken to a few people about. I think there's almost that one game that. The, the one game that you really, really, really want to cling on to for next gen. I think that's kind of missing at the moment yeah. for PS4. It was going to be Watch Dogs, yeah. but, but when, when, they, when they ran Watch Dogs at the launch, I was, I was less than enamoured with it than the first time I saw it. it but you know, that's, 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 that's already multi-platform. That's already coming out on, on current gen consoles. It's coming for yeah. next gen consoles. Yeah, it's not, it's not the one that you have to buy the new mm. thing for. It's not, it's not Uncharted 4 or, or a new Naughty Dog or a new... Gran Turismo or you know that I just well new I, Final Fantasy for me will do it but they just said the words Final Fantasy that's all that, all, that was that must been, that, that's definitely that's worth the business class flight from Tokyo that that guy must have taken yeah <laughs> that was amazing wasn't it um, at E3 might have misjudged that mate yeah <laughs> 
But I'm so excited for PS4. I think you've oh, been yeah. a little bit unf- unfair. No, I think, James. I think I think the console was great. Yeah, and, and I, I think the the potentials there is really cool. I like the way that they weren't like it's got 65 teraflops and the post particle processing chunder is wonderful. They just kind of they didn't put up any graphs. It was just like Gay. I think they did say that. They, they kind of did. I think he said something like <laughs> substantial substantial post service tessellating or something like yeah. that. Yeah. What does that but mean? Here's, the th- here's the thing. What, what they've what they've basically said is we're going to give you an amazing tool to work with. Yeah. You know, now it's up to your imagination. I, th- I actually think because you've written some really good editorials around the whole thing about how uh, almost, forgive me if I'm paraphrasing, but the PlayStation 4 announcement wasn't so much an announcement for the PlayStation 4. It was a statement of intent for Sony. Yeah. It was an announcement And there was the so much Sony. subtext and everything around what happened saying we're going to do better this time. We're yeah. going global. We want to talk to American gamers. We're developing for you. It's all about the developers. I mean, it's all about it's the totally games. Totally, it. it was. It wasn't just for gamers either. It was them showing the investment community and their long-suffering like stockholders. Mm. This is the new Sony, guys. We're about services, and we're about. That sounds really fucking boring. But you know, we're about. We're no longer a company that makes really eccentric and proprietary hardware in an ivory tower in Tokyo. We are now a company that's interested in working with everybody. Yeah. That's really interesting as well because obviously, like the developers, everyone's always said that the PlayStation Four was a nightmare. To develop, PlayStation Three was a nightmare to develop. For. Well, yeah, it was definitely so, complicated. Yeah. PlayStation Two as well was complicated to develop it's, for. It's the fact Try now, getting that emotion engine in. It's the fact now that they've kind of gone and made it accessible, and they're already working to kind of you know have new IPs and secure exclusives and stuff at the tail end of this generation. So I think they're really opening and themselves up. And they actually up. asked, they said, developers, what do you want? And developers went, this is what we want. And that's how they made the console. That is, I mean, Ken Kutaragi, who was the father of PlayStation, that guy spent billions on developing the cell chip, which was only going to be used in the PS3 and which was really hard to develop for. So mm-hmm. it's, it's a real change in Sony. I think that the conference was about that. I think, I think that's what I got from it after thinking about it for a few days. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, there's still got a lot more to be announced at E3. So James, I would I'd still like... Hold your breath for the time being. Luke? Um, cool. So the next piece of feedback is from friend of the podcast, Sean T. McCarthy. All right, Sean. Who said, would you say that the next console war will be determined more by the services that each, pla- each platform offers and we gamers will choose to subscribe to more them than the hardware capabilities of the console itself? So you will, you're basically making a decision between you know services on the platforms rather than hardware capabilities. That's interesting because it last night a story came out um, Obviously, Sony mentioned about Ustream, that, you know, you're going to have Ustream on their consoles uh, on the PlayStation 4. That's apparently not going to be exclusive to the PlayStation 4. So that suggests that it might be on Microsoft's next console. Um, But yeah, no, I do think there are going to be a lot of, you know, it's interesting because the exclusives like Netflix and all of that seem to be shared around now quite happily, don't Mm -hmm. they? Yeah, but I think, I think, Sean, like you, you pretty much, you know, the answer to your question, because that's what this gen was, was fought on. Yeah. Right? Yeah. It's it was what, what what the consoles could do for you. Like, Yeah, and Xbox Live was the reason that it took off and, and stayed ahead of Sony until very, very recently. Yeah, and now PlayStation Plus has come along. So yeah, and it's, it it's, has, it's awesome. They, the two consoles, in terms of technical output, are identical, right? PS3 is slightly more powerful, but the thing is developers can't take advantage of it because they need to develop for both. So. There's certain titles which will be which are better on, on PlayStation, right? Yeah. Um, but very, I mean, most of the time, they're the same on both consoles. That's yeah. how it works. Yeah. And on PC, yeah. which is ridiculous because PCs are like three times as powerful now. Yeah. So, yeah, you are very right, Sean. Um, but, uh, yeah, we'll see what uh, Microsoft have uh, got coming up. Yes, you're next, Microsoft. For our eye of judgment. <laughs> I've got... <laughs> Wow. <laughs> Does anyone remember Eye of Judgment? Yeah. That, that camera I was just game the PS3. That. It was fucking you know, awesome. That's one thing about the PS4 conference. I was watching it remembering the PS3 conference with giant enemy crab based on Japanese history with freaking uh, Eye of Judgment. Eye of Judgment was great. I bought that 599 game. With US dollars. Like, the PS3 announcement was a disaster. It was hilarious. I used the to PS4 imagine... announcement was actually quite competent. Do you remember, did you ever play Eye of Judgment? I used to pretend it was Yu-Gi-Oh. It was quite exciting. Like oh, Just making bless. a little card file. I played Eye of Judgment. <laughs> Good. Just, Moving on. <laughs> Wish it wasn't there. Uh, right, anyway, David McNally says, on the podcast on the 15th, you mentioned Monster Hunter briefly. I was wondering whether you have ever played it and if so enjoyed any of the games. Oh, David. I played Monster Hunter Try on Wii and enjoyed it a lot and wonder why there are no games like it on other consoles such as PS3 360. Any thoughts? Well, Kezzy, you're the Monster Hunter Kezzy's the Monster Hunter. Hunter fan. I'm a massive Machine. Monster Hunter fan. I've wasted probably three or 400 hours of my life on Monster Hunter, on various Monster Hunters. I'm, I'm really Monster interested try- in trying it on this time around, yeah, so I'm definitely going to get it for 3DS. Monster Hunter 3 Ultimate's just arrived in the office, so that's another 80 to 100 hours of my life spoken for. <laughs> but I really want to try it. I really want to 
see if I can get into it. I think I'd like it. Yeah, I want to get. I, I love it. I is think is the premise pretty much what the game is, is called? Yeah, it's a beautifully synergistic name. Monster Hunter, hunt monsters. Kind of like Pokemon. Sounds like it's, it's not anything like. I'll level with you. I'm out then. Yeah, it's anything like Pokemon. I'm not. It's nothing like Pokemon, even right. slightly. You hit Good. things with enormous swords. I'm in. <laughs> and I'm back in. <laughs> yeah, back in the room. It's, so, it's, it's, more, it's most fun with people. That's the thing that puts people off Monster Hunter, is that you really need people to play it with, because then you go out in a hunting party and you do it together and you come share the achievement. Well, I'll tell you what, we'll get it, and David, when it comes out, we'll play with you. How about that? Yeah, definitely. I'll, I'll, be, I'll be playing it on, play the game with on Wii U and on 3DS. It's great. Hmm. As for why there are no other games like it on other consoles, uh, there's quite a lot of clones on the PSV and on the PSP of it. Um, things like... What was it called? Lords of Arcana? Something like that. There's, okay. a lot, there's quite a lot of monster hunting clones, but they're mostly Japan only because Monster Hunter's never sold dick all outside of Japan. <laughs> <laughs> and although Capcom has spent lots of money and time trying really hard to get us to buy it outside of Japan, it's never really succeeded. Uh, to try was, unfortunately, just, especially considering how hard they tried to push it, try did not sell very much at all. Was on Wii though. A lot of tries in there. A lot, a lot of tries. Try, 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 Someone to try, try hard. <laughs> More tries in the game of rugby. Uh, Jake Newcomb's written in. Uh, hey guys, I was just wondering what your respective education histories were that led you to, into your careers. Thanks for your, any help. My education is in the balance. Oh god. Uh, I I've got no formal qualifications whatsoever. That is not a lie. I have nothing. I do not have a, an O level, a GCSE, anything to my name. Really? Does anyone really? have a driving license? Still drives a car. Shh, keep that quiet. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I, I was a complete school, uh, high school dropout. Absolute high school dropout. Wow. And you just got your first job aged uh, 40, so. 40, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Hoovering. Hoovering the IGN office. <laughs> yeah, we, we call him video producer because he likes to have the business card, but really, he's yeah. a janitor. <laughs> But no, in I'm, terms of production, there is. I would say you'd know more than someone straight out of a university. Well, definitely. You, yeah, it's I guess experience, so. isn't it? Yeah, because yeah. experience is everything. Was it difficult mm. for you when you were in your 20s, though? No. Okay. Because when I was in my 20s, I just lied about my qualifications. Oh, cool. <laughs> that makes sense. My word, uh, absolutely. Nobody ever asked to see them. I was just saying, oh, yeah, I've got, I've got that. I've got, you know, I've got a university degree. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> Fuck it. Nobody cared. <gasps> Keza, uh, you've got a degree out. in Scottish studies, I believe. No, I haven't. That's <laughs> <laughs> such a lie. That's close enough. <laughs> Whatever. Mm. I've got a degree in German. And? And I've got... And, ja- and, and Japanese. And? And I've got a master's <laughs> degree in comparative literature. Any more? Uh, Swimming badges? No, I gave... I gave <laughs> Swimming badges? <laughs> I'm, like, I'm like Daniel, I gave up my PhD. Um, but I was going to do a PhD as well. To an old lady. She needed the seat. She did, yeah. She needed a bit of paper to burn yeah. for warmth. It's Luke winter. just did his 11 plus. <laughs> yep. Yeah. I have. Fuck you. I've got. I've got. Fuck right off. I, am, I have a degree in English and theatre uh, from Warwick, and then I'm doing an MA, an MA in journalism, which I was yeah. in the middle of when I got the job, so I've deferred it for a year. But I've also got NCTJ qualifications, which are like a PGCE for journalism. That's me. Yeah, and I went to university and did film production, so that's come in handy. That really has, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. But I'd say uh, university a degree standard uh, degree level is kind of standard for the industry. Yeah, yeah. I mean, these days, you yeah. know, what, if you want to, if you especially if you want to write, I mean, if you want to write, you have to prove that you can sort out your thoughts and then put them on a bit of paper mm. to the extent that someone else can. And not just write though, but being able to work to deadlines and oh, yeah. being organised really and all that sort of stuff, which you really, really, that really, really nail into at university. Uni was really. I mean, I wouldn't matter so much about what you study at university. To be honest, I've got a degree in German. Japanese, yeah, whatever. But it's it's the it's the discipline of, of university. If you do well and if you learn deadlines and also like journalism, especially on the internet, you're going to be up all night doing stuff quite often. And the university is uh, useful to uh, yeah. to know to how buy to drugs. do that. Yeah, to yeah. Buy drugs. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> not no, that we condone any of that. No, kind no, of behaviour. Uh, I've got an email here from uh, James Lewis, friend of the show, and he um, asks. He said he'd been playing Dishonored recently, got through it pretty easily, uh, and he got to thinking: Are oh, any games aside from Dark Souls really that difficult anymore? I remember the good old days of there being no difficulty settings at all, or even saving. Games mm. would just go. Games would just say, "Go on, mate, survive if you can." Heady <laughs> days, indeed. I'm so glad what, we have saving. Yeah. yeah. So I'm what so are your most? What are your most difficult games ever? Ever. Mm. Ooh, wow. He lists Rush and Attack on the NES, Master of Darkness on the Mass System, and Hook, the NEC, sorry, NES tie-in game, which was so long it was basically impossible to complete. Uh, Echo the Dolphin. 
<laughs> really? Just, yeah, just fucking hell. Just go. Oh, just went on, didn't it? Fucking flipper. What's Jesus, he doing? what are you doing? Why are you going up and down? What are you going to do? <laughs> I'm stuck in a rock pool for fuck's sake. Oh, I'm switching it off. Fucking hell. Revengeance is hard. We've yeah, determined. But that's more because of like dodgy camera angles. On my Monster Hunter is really, really fucking hard. Yeah. It's really hard, but it's really rewarding as well. Are Japanese genuine generally harder? They're Japanese hard games? in a different way. Like yeah. the hard isn't like the Japanese way of getting good at a game is do it until you're good. Whereas mm. the the, yeah. the Western way is to give you a two-hour tutorial yeah. until yeah. you know every single aspect the of the Jap- game. The Japanese games aren't afraid of relying on skill. They're like, get better. I'll mm-hmm. tell you that about Nino Kuni. The fucking tutorial lasts about ten hours. Yeah. Like, Am I not right in thinking Final Fantasy XIII's tutorial is basically yeah, ten J- hours J- of the J- game? JRPGs oh. are not skill-based games, are they? But, well, they, they, they kind they? of are. Like, I mean, it can be tough. Like, That's probably they, an unfair They statement. used to be kind of like quite grindy in the sense that, you know, you have to build yourself up and like get better gear and experience and stuff. Um, but no, like you're right. About thirteen went in this massive shift of like this really long tutorial, and it, it's not as hard as the previous ones. Um, I'm trying to think of any other tough games. Well, I would games s- when I was a kid, there were loads of games. That were yeah, super- this is Mario Kart and the Snes, the cheating bastard AI. Yeah, it's so difficult to win on that. Um, I would say for modern games, Super Hexagon. If you haven't played oh, Super Hexagon so uh, on iPhone or Android, Ooh. that game is fucking tough. And the guy who created the game, he's at the top of the leaderboard. So that's <laughs> How not fair. convenient. That is not fair. At Game um, City last year, he did a live competition. The guy who created the game versus Jason Killingsworth, who writes for Edge magazine, who's also stupidly good at that game, and they did like a live face-off. I think Terry Kavanaugh won, but he didn't make the game. Oh, it's it's stuff like um, another one that got me was Need for Speed Most Wanted. Like personally, that's not hard. You try and get like to the very very top, like because obviously you start and like oh this is quite nice, you know, when you're trying out all the different cars. But then you get to like the hard races for them all, and some of the cars are really unintuitive to drive, and it's a fucking ball ache, and the AI is like leashed to you, so it bounces back, and it's just horrible. Wow. That's the most recent Most Wanted. Yeah. Um, I'll tell you another one as well, Trials Evolution. That's yes, hard. that's When that gets hard, that gets fucking impossible. That is really impossible. I mean, monster Hunter and Demon's Souls and Dark Souls all do that thing of, look, really, really big monster, slap you dead. Yeah. Any beat-em-up you've again. ever played, get to the second to last boss. and that's So, usually... James, in answer to your question, you're playing the wrong games pretty much, mate. <laughs> uh, is that I'm glad the... we have saving, though. You've got one more bit of Yeah, feedback. I do have one from Chris Bustamante. He says, um, I suppose I'd like to hear something about each one of the team. Maybe a quirky personality trait. Just a fairly new fan given some feedback. And oh, by the way, Keza, you do have a lovely accent indeed. Aww. So there you go. Thank so you. he's a new listener from where? Um, from Houston, Texas. Put, put it in the map. Wow. Yeah, stick it on the map. We'll stick, stick it on the map. On the map. So, yeah, so, um, yeah, so just um, a couple of quirky personality traits from anyone. And he says maybe a favourite football team or footballer. Um... I am going to suggest that we do each other. That's a good idea. Oh, okay. Good idea. So I'm going to go this way. I'm going to do Stu. Yeah. Stuart. I don't want Stu to do me. He's going to be mean. <laughs> oh, <laughs> you don't know that. Stuart, uh, it, it has the greatest taste in music in someone I've ever met. I do trust his judgment when it comes to music. So if you ever want to know anything about pop music from the last 25, 30 years, not even just pop music, popular music, then Stuart is your man. Awesome. Thank you for that. I'll no second problem. that. Um, let me think. So I've got to do a nice... I've got to do a personality quirk for Kez. Yeah. Yeah? Hmm. A personality quirk? That is your entire personality pers- quirk. quirk. Your entire personality is that of a quirk. Um, you're quite astonishing when you play video games with headphones on. Oh, my God, yes. <laughs> because <laughs> you... This Tomb Raider review. Oh, like, my God. My Christ. <laughs> It's been been pretty eventful. I keep meaning to to put a little bug or a microphone next to you while you're playing it or film it because it's just phenomenally funny. When we we had Dark Souls and you're reviewing it, I did try to record some of it because it was just, oh, oh no, oh no, oh that crab, oh dear, oh no, I'm dead. (laughs) I remember that. There was like, oh hello little frog, you're a funny looking frog. (laughs) (laughs) It was the cursed frogs. Remember that. Are you friendly? You're not friendly. (laughs) Yeah, that's right. (laughs) <laughs> it's a, yeah, it's a bit helpful. Luke. Uh, Luke. My sauce thing is one of them, isn't it? Oh, I don't eat sauces. Yeah, that, that, I was actually going to say that, <laughs> very, but then I thought it was too food. boring. But Luke um, is really weird about sauces, about like mayonnaise and ketchup and 
anything that's he doesn't like cold liquid yeah no it's a texture and texture based so problem so like no, on, on a burger whenever you go out for lunch with him wherever he'll be like um, I'll have the burger but I will have no mayonnaise yeah. I demand and sometimes no, may- no ketchup they don't put relish on the menu but there is relish on the burger and that's Motherfuckers. It's like, are there, are there any spreads? Any spreads, sauces, yeah. or other. So I've got trading standard or speed things. dial anyway. So that's all, that's all covered. That don't is you worry. probably the weirdest thing I know and about. And Tom. Me. Tom is very talented with Photoshop, and he makes a lot of <laughs> wondrous things that go up on, on the site, um, including if you didn't see the PS4. Um, announcement drinking game we did. It's still <laughs> on brilliant. the. Um, it's still on that the uh, on our Facebook page. It's really good. So yeah, mm. no, Tom does lots of. Cool I do shit like, like that. making stupid pictures. It does entertain me. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's great. Um, if you want to stay tuned for those stupid pictures, you can follow me on Twitter. It's at Tom Butler. <laughs> That's a second um, plug. This one. Yeah. And Luke is at, at Luke, Luke Carmali because it is at Kez McDonald and Stuart is at the the underscore Stuart yeah. underscore underscore Reed. Reed. Yeah. Um, and I've on been, that I've, note, yeah, I've been I've been trying to get. Just Stuart Reed off Twitter. So if anybody's friends with anybody high up at Twitter, give us a give a man a hand here and let me get that handle because it's not being used by the bloke that that's got it. I'll I'll see what I can do. Thanks, Tom. Um, so that's it for this week's podcast. Thank yeah. you very much for joining us. Um, I hope you enjoyed what you heard. Uh, if you liked what you heard, please leave us a good rating on iTunes. Leave us a comment uh, as well. Um, as always, send your feedback to IGN UK feedback at IGN.com. Follow us on Twitter at IGN UK and on Facebook at IGN UK. Um, this has been an IGN production. See you next week. Goodbye. Bye. Bye, guys.